I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of your opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and use the promo code NFL 100. Hey, everybody. Welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast. Evan Lazar alongside me, as always, 98.5's Alex Barth. And Alex, a juicy day for the Patriots down in Foxborough this Wednesday. Joint practices with the New York Giants started the day off with a bang by trading Sony Michelle to the Los Angeles Rams. And we're going to get to the Sony trade at some point as well. But we got to start with is unquestionably the story of the day. Trump's a trade of a former first round pick, Mac Jones. If there was going to be a day, if there was going to be a day where we look back in a couple of weeks and say, when was the day that the tide turned? When was the day that Mac started to pass Cam a little bit on the depth chart and made this thing official? It was Wednesday. It was today against the New York Giants. 21 to 26 is what I had him as against uh, the Giants starting defense in 11 on 11s. His best practice so far as a Patriot by far, I would say it had a mix of everything from downfield throws to efficient quick game passing to anticipatory throws over the middle to command at the line of scrimmage. And I think that that might be the biggest telltale sign out of anything is that answer that Josh McDaniels gave in his Sunday press conference when he said there are little to very few pre-snap errors and how important setting the table is for this offense. And then today after practice, Kendrick Bourne said it was great to see Mac make us a team out there, right? And get everybody lined up and on the same page before the ball is snapped and make the offense a cohesive unit. So what we're hearing from the coaches, from the players around Mac Jones, what we're seeing with our eyes are all really positive strides for the Patriots rookie. And like I said, if there was going to be a day, today was the day. Great day to have a day. And Mac Jones had a day. I made the joke yesterday, perhaps the biggest single training camp practice in terms of anticipation in Patriots history. And Mac Jones lived up to the moment. Absolutely. This was his best day as a Patriot. He was in control. He was in command. He was accurate. He was on time. Everything you could ask for. He did it all today. And I'll tell you this, too, because, you know, we go out and we watch that. and It's like, all right, he looked good. There's not a ton of context, right? So I just had Doug Kide on my 98.5, the Sports Sub Show, 98.5sportsub.com Patriots podcast. And, I, you know, Doug now is a national reporter, used to be at Ness, and he now works for PFF. He travels the country. So he's been – he was in San Francisco recently. So he saw another – very hyped rookie quarterback in Trey Lance. He told me emphatically, Mac Jones looked better than Trey Lance did. Mac Jones today, and granted, he hasn't seen every practice for both guys, but this was this was a, you know, there's still some people complaining why was Mac Jones a first-round pick. 
today answered that question. If there was any doubt left, I didn't have, I didn't have any doubt since October. There's any doubt left. Today was the day. Mac Jones, why, why Mac Jones was a first round pick, why people valued him as highly as they did because of the NFL readiness. You saw it today. He looked like an NFL quarterback. And by the way, for comparison, there was another maybe NFL quarterback on the other side. And Daniel Jones, a guy who maybe. we're told is an NFL quarterback. That right. guy sucked compared to Mac Jones. He was <laughs> awful. He was bad. He threw one right to Kyle Bugger. So there is that element of comparison too. Here's a guy who's expected to start 17 games this year. Mac Jones was much better than him. So you can take that for what it's worth too. It's, it's a great day to have a day. It was a good way of putting it, right? And that's exactly what Mac Jones did is seizing this moment and this opportunity, this window of reps. Going out there today in all competitive drills, you include the seven-on-seven periods as well, through 55 passes today, Alex. That, that's a high-volume number of reps. Right. So what you want to see is – him improve it every single day, him get better at the little things every single day. And you also want to just give him sheer volume because that's how he is going to get better. And they've been able to do that with Cam Newton out. And I don't know if it's, you don't judge a quarterback competition on one day, right? You don't go out there and say they he back played great on Wednesday, August 25th and he should be the starting quarterback because he looked great in one practice against the Giants. But this has been a slow buildup. And at this point, it feels like from watching it unfold in front of our eyes and also from what I'm hearing internally, that Mac Jones starting in week one is certainly on the table. And this Cam Newton COVID situation, I think maybe pushed the needle a little bit more towards Mac Jones' side. It wasn't a one off situation where that was a deciding factor, right? But it definitely is a factor that Cam basically refuses to get vaccinated from all, from everything that I have heard about the situation. So you put that on top of the fact that Mac is playing terrifically well, had a magnificent day out there today. And a lot of things, the tide is turning. The tide is turning. And whether it's week one or it's week five, like we've said all summer long. It might not be right away. It might not be against Miami, September 12th, week one, but it might come eventually. And now it's starting to feel like it might come even sooner than both of us predicted. Well, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say this too. We, I, I, and I've said this since the beginning, right? That Mac Jones can't win the job. Cam Newton has to lose it. Right. They, if they, they won't go away from Cam unless he gives them a reason. I think Bill Belichick wanted to give it another year with Cam. Uh, I think that they, again, they value that experience. They value having a guy who's played in the NFL. I think in their perfect world, Cam Newton gives them at least two months and then you reevaluate. Cam would have to lose the job. Now, when I said that, I meant turnovers. I meant he's turning the ball over left and right. Maybe he's taking a bunch of bad penalties at the line, formational stuff, delay of games. Like that's how I pictured him losing the job. I didn't right. think it was going to be like this, but this, this is what we are witnessing before our eyes. Cam Newton is losing the job because of his vaccination status. And again, it's up to him whether he wants to get vaccinated or not. But, you know, people talk about, you know, freedom of choice. The, the America is about freedom of choice. It absolutely is. There's a difference between freedom of choice and freedom of consequence. Cam Newton is absolutely free to not get vaccinated if he does not want to. But that choice comes with the consequence. And right now the consequence is the guy who's breathing down his neck just had the best performance of his short career. And they have to make a decision very soon. And the information they have on the table right now is Mac Jones is surging. 
So this is this is what Cam Newton. I'm not saying Max not winning the job. He's playing well, but Cam Newton is losing it as much as Mac Jones is winning it right now because Newton is not on the field. Right. Well, that's what the vaccination. The vaccination status to me, I, I don't care either way if if Cam. We don't get here. We don't get here. We're not having this conversation if Cam is vaccinated. Correct. Mac doesn't that's... have an opportunity to have the performance he has today if Cam Newton is vaccinated. Correct. That's what it is. Cam not being vaccinated, personal choice, do what you want with your own body, but him not getting vaccinated presented this opportunity to Mac Jones, and Mac Jones, to his credit, just kicked down the door. He didn't just open the door a little bit. He just went full-fledged and knocked it down, right? And and that's different. And I think that that's the separation here with the vaccination vaccination thing is you have to look at it as a window of opportunity and not necessarily an indictment on the decision itself. And I also want to discuss just the individual throws and the things that we saw out there from Mac as well, and not so much all the big picture stuff. So the, the couple of throws that specifically stood out, the first one being the back shoulder to James White down the right sideline. And in that back shoulder throw, the linebacker, James White, said after practice, held him up a little bit at the line of scrimmage, stayed over the top of his route, and somebody on the sideline yelled ball to James White, and White snapped his head around and was able to catch the pass. Basically a throw that caught him, more or less, right? Because he didn't really see it coming and turned at the last second and was able to catch it. He he made a good late adjustment. Let's not act like he he just the ball just sure. appeared in his hands, glitched into his hands, right? Sure. So th- th- that's fair. It was a great late adjustment by James White, and on that particular play, just a great understanding of where the coverage is and knowing, okay, I, I this is the only place that I can throw this ball that where it's going to be complete to James White. He then came back later in practice. Jacoby Myers ran a deep corner route, stemmed it at the post safety, cut it off towards the pylon, and there was a corner underneath it and the safety trying to range over the top on it, and Mac just dropped it in a dime, right? He just dropped it right in the bucket between the two defenders, and Jacoby went up and made a nice catch on that one as well. So those were the two downfield throws that really stood out. I also mentioned some throws on in-cuts or dig routes to Jacoby Myers, one to Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Johnny Smith got a little digger crosser, whatever you want to call it, over the middle of the field as well. There was efficient quick game passing underneath the defense to the backs to Gunnar Oshevsky a few times, caught a couple passes underneath the defense. So the full repertoire today, the three-level repertoire of accuracy, decision-making, decisiveness, all those types of things from Mac. What was the most impressive detailed aspect of the game today from Mac? Yeah, I, you know, I well, at first, I think the command, I, I keep going back to this. I've gone back to it since the beginning. The command that he has when he's under center, it's a night and day from where he was on day one. You know, his voice is different when he calls the cadence out. We talked yeah. about this yesterday. So that, you know, big picture, that growth continues to impress me. Just today, you know, it, it, it was the short stuff. And he had some nice deep passes. The throw to Jacoby Myers in the back corner of the end zone, you know, at the end of practice was probably his best throw of the day, but you, you're, you, you know, you, you make one or two of those throws a game and right. you can't necessarily, okay. Patrick Mahomes aside, you can't necessarily win sustainably on those throws, right? You need to be a very special team. This isn't the big 12. You're not doing that sustainably. It was, you know, just the timing and the accuracy of, of what he did underneath. You talked about the three levels, but the way he operated underneath, 
I thought Kendrick Bourne said something interesting today. Somebody asked him about his level of trust with Mac Jones and how they trust each other. And he said, you see it. I run a ton of in cuts. That's trust. And it is not necessarily in this practice setting, but Mac Jones has to know he's going to make the catch because if that ball's tipped on an in cut over the middle short, it's probably intercepted. And, and Bourne has to trust him that he's not leading him into a defender or throwing a hospital ball. And that trust is there. And that's not, you know, people think the short stuff's easy. It's not, not in traffic. And the short stuff is what makes the Patriots offense go. You're not going to have those opportunities to throw the ball 35 yards into the corner to Jacoby Myers if you can't hit what's underneath to set it up. And that's what, I mean, he's done it, but today was the best example. I mean, just boom, 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 underneath, throw after throw after throw. So you ask me what was most impressive from him today? I would say that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. Let me let me rephrase that. Again, that one throw to the back corner was the most impressive, but right. what, what was my takeaway in terms of what was the most relevant to him being the week one starter? That's That was my, you know, I feel like it's more important to talk about what's relevant instead of what was impressive. That underneath stuff, I feel like is super relevant and he was good there. And I think that's important. I think that should be the big takeaway if you want to talk about, you know, it's very easy to come away and say, you know, Mac Jones had a great day to say any player had a great day. You can take 10 different quarterbacks. They could all have 10 good days, all doing very different things. It's not just that Mac Jones had a good day. It's it's the kind of day he had that made it good. I agree with you 100% and I, about the cadences at the line of scrimmage and the confidence at the line of scrimmage when he goes up there and the ability to direct, direct traffic at the line of scrimmage has been very impressive. And I keep coming back to that McDaniels quote of very few pre-snap errors. Right. And a quarterback that already in his rookie season, just a couple of weeks into training camp is setting the table for the rest of the offense. And McDaniels pointed out that because he's able to set the table at a high level, the offense is allowed to play fast. Right. And then when they play fast, they're not only a bigger threat to the defense, but they're also more in rhythm and they can string plays together and positive plays together and move the football. So having the offensive coordinator come out and say that there were very few pre-snap errors about a rookie quarterback is impressive. And then we can go out there and see it every single day in practice as well, that he's able to set the table. And there was one last throw I wanted to point out. It was at the very beginning of practice. Jacoby Myers ran an in-cut dig route, probably about 12 yards down the field and cut inside. And there was a, a post safety over the top of the route that was screaming down when he saw Myers cut across the field. And he was going to lay Jacoby Myers out if Mac Jones put that ball in front of Myers. And so what he did was he throws it low into the ground and has Jacoby slide down and catch it and scoop it off the ground. We, I'm not comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady. I am just saying that we saw Brady protect his receivers in the same exact way a million times over the 20 years that he was here. And I consistently see Mac, whether it's on tape against Washington and Philadelphia or in these practices, understand how to protect his wideouts from oncoming hits, right? And save them from those hospital balls. And that's, that's next level quarterbacking. That's smart. That's, right. that's intelligent quarterback play. And that's a big part of all of this as well. I think with Mac Jones that we see. So a great day for Mac. You can't take that away from him. He was fantastic. I think again, if there was a day that we were going to sit here and say, this is when the, the tide turned. This is when it changed the position that Bill Belichick has stood on since the draft as Cam is his starting quarterback. If that changes, 
then that was the day was today to point to. Now, what do we expect out of practice tomorrow from the quarterbacks? I think this is going to be fascinating because Cam is supposed to be back at practice tomorrow for the Patriots on Thursday for the second day of joint practices. Mac over the last three days has thrown a ridiculous amount of throws, right? I, I think somewhere around 150 to 200 competitive reps for Mac Jones over the last three days. That's a lot of reps and a lot of throws to put on the arm. So the question is, does Cam come back and dominate the reps and go right back to QB1 status like nothing ever happened? Or has the, the needle moved enough? Is, it, is this a split share tomorrow? How far has the needle moved that when Cam comes back tomorrow, is he still the court, clear-cut quarterback one? Man, we never did those 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 needles we had week one. We had I know. set up. We never I know. We got, we got lost um, in it. Um, you know how – so – I talked to Doug about this and, and he brought up a good point. Can Mac take another 50 reps tomorrow? Like you said, he's thrown a ton. I mean, we don't right. really think about it because quarterbacks, you know, you throw maybe 30 balls once every seven days. This is a different setting though. Is it like a pitcher where you can only throw so many times before you risk hurting your arm? You don't want to wear Mac out. And that's why I thought maybe they'd bring in another quarterback just for the week when the cam news came out. But at the same time, these reps are valuable. you got to give them to Mac. So, I, they go a number of different ways tomorrow. I think they could go, you know, if they go all cam, you can read that a number of different ways. You can read that as he's still the starter. Yesterday didn't mean as much as we thought it did. And Bill's giving cam a chance to make up for lost ground. Um, You can look at it as, okay, Mac got all the reps yesterday. Cam gets all the reps today. This way they still split 50, 50. Um, Or you could look at it as Max arm is sore. He threw too much over the last three days and they need to give him a rest. Um, if, if, I, I think the real telling thing is if Mac still throws even comparable reps to Cam Newton tomorrow, I, I think that tells us a lot about where he's at. And then the other possibility is, does the order change? Right. Mac, Mac Jones is the more prepared quarterback for the week right now. That's just, that's definitive. You can't tell me that's not true. Mac Jones has practiced for three days in preparation for the giants. As Bill will say, he still talks about prep when it comes to preseason games. Mac Jones has had three days of preparation. Cam Newton has had none, at least not on the field. Mac Jones might take the first reps. Mac Jones might take the starter reps with Cam Newton taking reps behind him. And that tells us that this is really real. That would tell us that this is really real in week one. It is a dead even race sprint to the finish. Right. So I think tomorrow, and then there's the possibility Cam doesn't practice tomorrow. There is. We don't know exactly what that timeline is. And if Cam doesn't practice tomorrow, then okay, now it's, well, does he play Sunday? If he doesn't play Sunday and Mac Jones goes out and balls out in a game after this week of practice, again, then you really start looking at week one. So there's a number of, you know, where, where's that needle at right now? Obviously it took a big jump towards Mac Jones today, but we don't, you know, again, Mac is only half the equation because again, it is still Cam Newton's job to lose. I believe that it's not Mac's to win. It's Cam's to lose. So we can't, we don't fully know the ramifications of today. And I know this is a cop-out. You asked me what today means, and, and I'm giving you the, the runaround. We don't fully know the ramifications of today's practice until we see what happens with Cam Newton tomorrow and on Sunday. I also think what's going to be interesting tomorrow, assuming that Cam Newton does practice, is is he just as good against the Giants defense as Mac Jones was? And, and what I mean by that is, 
there were times in today's practice, especially early in the practice, where I kind of felt like the Giants' defense was lousy. The, the Giants' defense wasn't putting up much resistance. I, you're the only person who's saying that. The Giants- so no, 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 I'm not. The, the other people are saying that the Giants' defense played well last year. I, I don't care about last year. I'm telling you what I saw out there today. Right. I, and there's a difference. If people on Twitter are telling me, Oh, well, the Giants defense drank this and that in 2020. Well, I'm watching them right in front of my eyes. And I didn't really think that they were super competitive out there today for long stretches, especially early on in the practice. So maybe the Giants come out tomorrow and they play better than they did before. Right. Or maybe the Giants come out tomorrow and Cam Newton carves them up just like Mac Jones did. And then we might want to throw away these joint practices to a degree and say the Giants defense just wasn't up to snuff. They just weren't up to the, to the challenge. And that probably is good news for the Patriots offense. That probably means this Patriots offense, which has been great in the preseason, by the way, maybe this Giants, this uh, Patriots offense is legitimate, right? I, who knows? We, we still have a lot of unknowns just- there. They have quality players in the secondary. This wasn't facing, you know, this wasn't going up against no I'm not saying that there's a worse defense version. in the NFL. There were times, and this is also why I, when I tweeted out Max passing stats, I focused just on the 11 on 11s because the seven on sevens, especially, were really soft. They're playing I, that. The soft I would zone. agree with. They were, they were the compete level there for the Giants and seven on seven was lackluster. I thought as practice, went on and especially late in practice they turned it on a little bit defensively and seemed like they were testing and and kind of challenging the Patriots offense a little bit more but when you watch the Patriots defense on one field and then you watch this Giants defense on another field there's a clear line of demarcation there between the two right the Patriots defense clearly looks a lot better than the Giants defense so maybe the Giants defense is going to be like they were last year 12th in total yards or total defense or whatever that stat was that was thrown at me, that that's a middling defense, right? There, there's a, a separation between 10 and 20 is a couple of yards per game. So that's a middling defense. I'm not taking anything away from what Matt Jones did today. I just want to see you do it again tomorrow. And I and also that's, that's want to see perfectly reasonable. That, I also want to see if Cam Newton can do the same exact thing as well, because then maybe the Giants defense just isn't, they might be good this year. They might get there this year, but maybe the Giants' defense right now is not very good, and that's that's going to be you know a telltale sign to me. He has two more instances tomorrow in joint practices and Sunday against the Giants in the preseason finale. If he plays good against their defense on both of those days and all three days go to Mac Jones or the Patriots' offense in general, then I will say. Good. You know, that, that, that's, that's, that's a definitive statement right now. It's just one practice. Sure. I, I, I mean, I guess I would say to that, the, the Giants have players on the defensive side of the ball. We know are talented. I'm not, did, did they have the best day? No. I, and I think some of what Mac did and frankly, some of what Mac did that was impressive is, just, I don't want to say totally regardless of the defense, but it sort of is some of that timing stuff, right. To throw to James White, to throw in the back corner, Jacoby Myers, Maybe another defensive player covers it better, but at the end of the day, you can't ask Mac to make those reads and put that ball any better than he did and place that ball any better than he did. Right. So does it totally matter who's covering on that play? Mm, I Maybe a little bit, but I, I don't think the defense was the entire story of Mac Jones dominating. 
No, it wasn't. I just think it's important context, especially to mention that early on streak, Mac Jones went on a run between seven on sevens and 11 on 11s where he completed 16 consecutive passes, which is impressive no matter who you're going up against if you're going up against the NFL right. guys, right? That's an extremely impressive streak. But some of that, I, I, I just, I, especially in the seven on sevens, I, I kind of throw those reps out in a way because the Giants, like I said, were you really the seven on sevens. Those are, those right. are weird. Yeah. Right. Okay. The, the 11s, fair. he was, he was good and it was beyond just the defense he was facing. Right. I, yes, I, I, I agree with that as well. All right. Let's move on to Sony Michelle, the trade to the Los Angeles Rams this morning. There are two conversations to be had here. One just about the Sony pick in general and going back to the 2018 draft and looking at that use of an asset. And two is assessing what this means moving forward for the Patriots. I'm far more interested in number two. I know number one is the juicy, uh, the two to six show is talking about it plenty today, Alex. I know that's, that's a juicy topic of did the Patriots make the right pick in in 2018 by drafting Sony, by passing on Lamar Jackson, by passing on Nick Chubb. But wherever you want to take this, Alex, it doesn't matter to me, but those are the two talking points here, I feel like. So, which, I mean, which one do you want to tackle? I know we need to discuss the first one. So let, let's tackle that one first. It just drives me crazy because I, <laughs> I, I don't really care what happened four years ago, right? I, I just right. don't care. But ultimately, was the Sony pick – the best use of the 31st overall pick in a draft? The answer is no. But was Sony Michelle the worst 31st overall pick in the NFL draft? Absolutely not, right? There are guys that get drafted 31st overall all the time that never play a snap in the league, let alone lead a team in rushing on a Super Bowl winner, right? So right. there's there's some nuance there. It was a bad pick because the – inherently running backs in the first round are bad value. They're bad judgment. They're bad value. Most of those guys don't get second contracts. And the guys that do get second contracts don't usually play up to the second contract, right? The team usually overpays for them. So just inherently using a first round pick on a running back, not the best thing. Yeah. So this is kind of how I've always explained it to people. The Sony Michelle pick wasn't a great pick, but that's, completely independent of Sony. It is not related to Sony Michelle himself. Drafting a running back in the first round is just not a good investment. If they took Nick Chubb as good as Nick Chubb is, I would still say it's at the time, not a great pick. Um, You know, people want to bring up Lamar Jackson. Obviously he won an MVP. I feel like a ton of quarterback outcomes has to do with the situation they land in. Right. And I think getting to, uh, let's see the offense coordinator. um, Or am I blanking in Baltimore? Greg Roman. I think getting to work with, like, I don't know that Lamar Jackson wins an MVP in New England, right? right. I don't I, I think, you know, getting to work with Greg Roman, getting to work in that system, it was just a perfect fit. It's not a horrible fit in New England, but he's a better fit in Baltimore. That's just the reality of it. The, the name that's interesting to me, and, and this isn't my take, Jim Murray brought this up when they were talking about it on Falgren Maz. Uh, Darius Leonard went like five picks later. And boy, right. would that guy be a heck of a Patriot, right? It, so that it, revisionist, revisionist but... the revisionist history you can do with every pick, right? The, right. We just talked about this yesterday when the Patriots signed Kahale Waring or, or claimed him off of waivers, and all the Texans fans are saying, we, Damian Harris went the next pick. We could have had Damian Harris instead of Kale Warren, which obviously right now we'd rather do. So all 31 other teams, all 32 teams in the NFL can play the revisionist history game. If you go back, 
and look at Patrick Mahomes' draft or Deshaun Watson in that draft or Josh Allen even with the Buffalo Bills. There's a lot of teams that wish they made a different pick, right? I go ask people in Miami if they would rather have Tua or Justin Herbert. I think they'd probably rather have Herbert at this point. Right. So there's so many conversations that you can have in that respect. But what this is a lesson of, Damian Harris was drafted a year after Sony Michelle in 2019 in the third round, and he's the better player. So what this is a message of is first round value on running backs is poor. Now the question is, maybe not even a question. The point in Sony's corner is that he came in as a rookie and contributed immediately to a Super Bowl team that needed a lead down back, right? They needed an early down back, a lead roll back, and he was able to play that role instantly in year one. And maybe right. like Damian Harris, who has basically redshirted for his whole rookie year, maybe you don't get that out of a third or a fourth round pick. Yeah, it, it, exactly. But I still, it, it's more about the future. If you, you draft a guy in the first round, you, you should be looking beyond the rookie contract and right. it's hard to look beyond the rookie contract with running back. So that's the reality of it. But you know, right. all that can, can we now go to this, like the trade itself? Yeah. No, it just one okay. last thing. The, the, the big stat, I think for all these people that want to discuss the Patriots recent draft record, the last first round pick that the Patriots have had that had landed a second contract with the team was Dante Hightower in 2012. It's been almost a decade since the Patriots have handed out a second contract to a first round pick. Isaiah Wynn can buck that, right? And and, and to be fair, there's three or four years in there where they didn't have a first round pick. Although I guess it'd be a lot easier to say that they they gave a second contract to Brandon Cooks after trading a first round pick for him, as I still believe they should have done. But um, there there are three or four years in there where they don't have a first round pick for whatever it's worth. So, So fair enough. But it's, it's an interesting stat. It's a good stat. Let's talk about what it means moving forward because that's just more as important than lamenting the Sony Michelle sure. pick back in 2018. When we got out of practice today, what we saw out of practice today, I should say, was clearly Ramondre Stevenson has earned a lot of trust with the coaching staff and Damian Harris let off all the drills in the running game uh, portions of practice, 11 on 11 competitive running sessions. And then he was followed immediately by Ramondre Stevenson. So I know JJ well, Taylor wait, has. On, the big... on. Before we get into this, sorry, I, I thought you were yeah. somewhere else. Just, can I? You mind if I give a comment on the trade itself? Sure. Um, I don't know. I, so I actually thought, given the situation they were in, and we talked about it wasn't the best pick potentially, but given the situation they were in, I actually think they made the most out of it. I actually think they did a good job because if you and whether or not they should have traded Sony Michelle, I go back and forth on that because I don't think you can ever have enough running back depth, but at the same time. Six running backs is a lot. Um, right. But if you're going to trade somebody, Sony's in the last year of his deal. I think if he plays. was the right guy to be traded, for sure. He was, of, of those six, he's the most logical guy to move. If you have to right. move somebody. It, you know, it, it was him or nobody. If you want to debate, they shouldn't have traded a running back. I'll listen to that. None of the other running backs made sense to trade or cut. Um, but, so if you let Sony play out his deal, right? And I wrote about this, by the way, this morning, 98.5thesportshub.com, the timing of it all. If you let Sony play out his deal, you get probably a, a six, maybe a fifth round comp pick in 2023. By making this move right now, it's a fifth and six, and it, it seems pretty solid. It's going to become a fourth round pick in 2022. So not only do you get a better pick overall than what you get if you just let the comp pick formula play its course, you also move that pick up a year. You move right. that pick, and this is what I talked about when I said maybe they should explore trade and Keel Harry. You move that pick up 
from 2023 to 2022. And what that does, Evan, we've talked about this. We've talked about this since April. This year's draft, because of players staying due to COVID, is going to be historically deep. It's not like it's this monumentally top-heavy, talented draft. There's some players right. I like. Uh, what's the name? Babineau in, in Oregon. Anyway, but the a fourth-round pick in 2022, we heard this during the draft, teams were valuing that like a second or third round pick any other year. Right. So granted, this is the back end of the fourth round because it's a comp pick, no matter how the Rams finish, it's the back end of the fourth round, but you get a better pick than you would have gotten from the comp pick formula. And you move that pick up to a year that it's very desirable to have picks. So, you know, I know this is going to sound weird because he was a first round pick three years ago, four years ago, whatever it is. I actually think they traded Sony Michelle for more than he's worth now. Oh, he's they got worth, great value. Right. They got he's great not value worth more than he was when they took him. And his value ultimately from draft data now went down. But his value where it stands right now, they traded him for more than he's worth. They got great, great value on the trade. I was actually shocked that the Rams gave up as much as they did yeah. for Sony Michelle because I was dead wrong about this one. I didn't really see him as a scheme fit in Los Angeles, but they're just so desperate for running somebody, back. It doesn't matter. They literally just need somebody, and the Patriots roped them into this trade. So in that respect, look, I'm not going to – let's not do a whole parade for the fact that they got a fourth-round pick back for a former first-round pick, but at least they did make good – on the on the return a little bit in this trade in, in a vacuum. So that was I thought was great element of this. He was clearly the guy to trade, as you mentioned, on in the last year of his contract. No fifth-year option. So it was definitely the right guy to trade, and they got at least something for him. Let's talk about what it means for the backfield moving forward. I know that there's a huge fan club for J.J. Taylor. A lot of Patriots fans love them some J.J. Taylor, and, and for good reason. But the guy that this definitely impacts more in the backfield, from Taylor's perspective, it impacts him from a numbers perspective, right? right. Now he, they don't have uh, six running backs. They don't have a log jam there anymore where he can't make the team just because there's a sheer too many guys, right? right. But from a role perspective, Ramondre Stevenson is the guy yes. that made Sony Michelle expendable. Damon Harris is the lead back. He's been the lead back all summer long. Today out at practice, as I mentioned earlier, Ramondre Stevenson got all of the second reps. Damian Harris went first. Ramondre Stevenson, excuse me, went second. Through two preseason games, Ramondre Stevenson leads all ball carriers in the entire NFL in yards after contact at 140. This is a legitimate player that the Patriots are, I think, this definitely has the writing on the wall of that we are comfortable with putting Ramondre Stevenson in a game this year already. And there's one play at practice that really stood out. We can talk about it in a second after you give your take on this, that sure. I think solidified the fact that they would be comfortable with putting Ramondre out there. Yeah. I, I you know, I think that with, uh, I don't think that this deal happens without the emergence of Ramondre Stevenson and without him playing as well as he has. You know, Ivan Fear said early in camp he had a lot to work on. He failed his conditioning test. We know that. He failed his conditioning right. test when he came in. So I, I, it would make sense that their plan from the beginning was to redshirt him. And it seems like even with that fumble against Philly, which I'll eat some crow on that, I thought that was the last time we were going to see him until twenty. I tweeted it out. I said, yeah, I'm not alone in that. Stevenson. Um, even, we were. I was dead wrong about this whole situation. I'll own it. Right. I, me I too. No, me yeah. too. Um, and I, I look. I like the player. I always thought he was going to be a good player. I just thought right. their history of running backs. We'd have to wait to see him. But 
uh, he he's played their way into the fact that I the way things stack up right now, unless there's a huge role coming for Brandon Bolden that we're not expecting, and he Bolden was back today for the first time in a little over a week. He did have a red non-contact jersey, but where they are right now, if Damian Harris gets hurt, and Harris has had some injury troubles, if Harris gets hurt, Ramondre Stevenson's your starting early down running back. Right. He's a 20 to 25 carry a game guy if something happens to Damian Harris. He's still probably 10 to 15 carries a game, which is a lot for your typical Patriots rookie running back. So a ton of credit to Ramondre Stevenson for him coming as far as he's come and a short period in, of time. Right. In a very short period of time, putting in the, you know, I'm sure he'd credit the offensive line. So I'll say too, obviously it's got to be easy running behind that great offensive line, but credit to Ramondre Stevenson for coming as long as coming as far as he's come here in a short period of time. And he's done a great job. And, you know, Patriots fans should be very excited about this kid. I said it at the draft. And again, I said they should be very excited in 2022. I'll scratch that last part off. I think it's time. I don't know that he's supplanting Damian Harris. I think Harris's starting role is safe for, you know, the first month or so of the season at least. But yeah, you can be excited about Ramondre Stevenson. That's absolutely fair. So the play in practice that I wanted to point out, because there's an exchange with Ivan Fears on Sunday when the assistant coaches spoke, and he got a lot of questions about why can't these rookies get on the field at your position, right? Why are rookie running backs with the Patriots treated the way that they are treated in terms of playing time. And he pointed to the fact that all these guys that they've drafted from Sony to Damian Harris, now to Ramondre Stevenson, even signing JJ Taylor as an undrafted free agent, all of these guys can carry the football. All of them are good athletes. All of them can run the ball. That has never been a question. The problem is, is the other details of the game, route running, pass protection, all the other intricacies that go in to playing running back for the Patriots. And I would also throw out there potentially contributing on special teams as well in some sort of a role, because a lot of these guys in the backfield are a special teams player too. So there's, right. he talked about the whole game, the whole picture, not being able to just paint a B great ball carrier, but being able to do everything. And there was a play in practice today during 11-on-11s where Mondre Stevenson was in the backfield and the Giants sent a blitz at Mac Jones and Ramondre Stevenson met the linebacker right in the middle of the offensive line and stood him up in the hole and prevented him from getting to Mac Jones. And those types of blitz pickups and that skill in pass protection, those are the little things that Ivan Fears is talking about. Well, if he can make that play, if he can go back on right. backer and hold up in pass protection consistently, then he's going to get on the field. If he can't do that, then he's not. And they would, they would, they favor being able to pick up a blitzing linebacker a whole lot more than catching a ball out of the backfield. We saw that with Sony Michelle, right? You don't right. necessarily need to be James White coming out of the backfield to play as a rookie with the Patriots, but you have to be able to pick up a linebacker and blitz pickup. And Ramondre Stevenson proved today, at least on one rep, that he was able to do that. And that to me stood out as a play where I said, that's why they were felt comfortable trading Sony Michelle to LA this morning is because they feel like Ramondre Stevenson is far enough along in blitz pickup and in the passing game to do more than just carry the football. Boomer sooner. Boomer sooner. Boomer sooner. There you go. How'd Ronnie Perkins look today? Ronnie, the whole I didn't defense see a ton of him today. 
the whole defense is where I wanted to go next, but Boomer Sooner is absolutely right. And he was great in blitz pickup Ramondre Stevenson in college too. That was one thing that definitely stood out on his college tape consistently was his ability to pick up blitzes. Let's move over to the defense side of the ball. You mentioned in the beginning of the show, Alex, that the best Jones on the field today by far was McCorkle and Daniel Jones looked like a rookie. Daniel Jones. You would have thought it was it. You would have thought Daniel Jones was the rookie and Mac was the three year vet, right? I mean, that's the way it looked. Daniel Jones was, the fourth best quarterback on the field today, I would say. Mac you think Jones, Mike Lennon was better? I legitimately thought Mike Lennon was better, and let's not forget Jacoby Myers used to be a quarterback, and he made a great catch. <laughs> Brian Hoyer had no meaningful reps. I actually might put him ahead of Daniel Jones because I think nothing is probably better than what Daniel wow. Jones did. So he might have been the fifth best quarterback on the field today. Good luck with that, Giants. So I don't want the D to fly under the radar. Um, I'm assuming I don't want them to fly under the radar because they're having a great summer, arguably a a better summer than the offense, but there's just so much juicy topics to talk about on the offense that it gets overshadowed. The couple of things that stood out to me today about the Patriots defense that dominated the Giants offense and made Daniel Jones look like a pumpkin was, first of all, it's difficult to watch live and see exactly what they're doing on the back end on every single play without being able to go watch the tape back and really study it and focus in on the rotations and the types of coverages. But whatever they were doing, Daniel Jones did not complete a deep pass all practice long and didn't even try, really. He came off the deep throws. He came off those deep routes, checked it down. He scrambled a bunch in this game, in this practice out there today as well on Wednesday. There was a whole lot of check down scramble from Daniel Jones because the the stuff down the field was either confusing him or wasn't open. The other thing that really stood out from the defense was how many unblocked or free runners there were to the quarterback today. It felt like the Patriots had Daniel Jones and the Giants starting offensive line in a blender. They had no idea where guys yeah, were coming yeah. from, whether it was Dante was Hightower one? over yeah, here. Yeah, Hightower one. You were yeah. freaking out about that when it happened in practice. Because it was crazy. So the one thing that you do when you're a center and you're a quarterback and you come to the line of scrimmage, you call out how many down players there are on the line of scrimmage, right? You'll hear David Andrews do it all the time. Three down, four down. It's five, to, or maybe not five. Three down, four down, right? And that is exactly what you do every single time you come to the line of scrimmage first and foremost. And they had Dante Hightower standing up right over the left tackle. It wasn't like Dante Hightower was doing some amoeba stuff or lining up off the ball and blitzed and came out of nowhere. He was lining up over the left tackle and nobody blocked him. It was incredible. There was four or five instances where that happened that I, Hightower I had down for two of those. Kyle Van Noy had a couple of them where nobody blocked them because the Patriots were doing all sorts of different things up front and the Giants just couldn't get a beat on it. And in Bill Belichick's defenses, especially in the front seven, are at their absolute best when they can be that confusing, right? When they can really right. spin the dial and they can get after you with scheme as well as good individual pass rushers. Today we saw that come to fruition. Daniel Jones's mind was in an absolute blender for two and a half hours today. He, he wasn't the first New York quarterback to see ghosts against the Patriots, I think is what you're trying to say. Exactly. Uh, and he won't be, he won't be the last. Yeah, no, he, he was, he struggled today and it, you know, it's not take anything away from the Patriots defense, the Kyle Duggar interception again. He, I mean, 
right between the numbers, like targeted. Right. Kyle Duggar. And I don't know, maybe yeah. the Giants offense wears white when they just practice against each other and he just, you know, muscle memory. And look, I, even though it was right to Duggar, I won't take, it's not to take anything away from Duggar. You know, you, he read the play. He got to the right spot at the right time. He knew where the read was. Daniel Jones was staring down his receiver and Kyle Duggar figured it out. You don't just because it was an easy interception doesn't mean getting there was guaranteed. So, and that's honestly, to me, been Kyle Duggar's best trait since day one. He just kind of knows where he needs to be and how to get there. I, I think he's got a very he's good knack for that. Player. And very yeah. instinctive player. And, and, and Bill's talked about that and coaches talked about that. So, and that's a perfect example. He got exactly where he needed to be. He got there so well, even the quarterback didn't realize that he had gotten there. And again, right, right there, there, right in a sweet spot, right between the numbers. Um, who else? Somebody else almost had a pick and just missed it. I for, it might have been Devin. I forget. They should have had another one. JC Jackson had a pass breakup. There, there was one other pass breakup. It was early. It was like I right missed. after that the I, other one. But uh, yeah, it's it very good day for the defense. Very good day yeah, for the defense. That that scene goes Sam Darnold clip. You're 100 right. That was exactly what it felt like for Daniel Jones and the Giants' offensive line. And that's what I love so much about a good coached up Bill Belichick defense with veteran players that know how to run the system, right? Because right. last year they got away from a lot of that amoeba fronts from the different pressure looks because they just didn't have the experience to run all that kind of stuff. Now they get Dante Hightower back. Kyle Van Noy has been in the system obviously once before. Matt Judon's a veteran player that understands how to do things that they're going to ask him to do. Josh Uche, who wasn't out there today, is in his second year with the Patriots, so he has a better understanding of what they're asking for him from him. Chase Winovich has been in the system, and they just went out there today, and this guy's going to drop, this guy's going to rush, this guy's going to come from over here, this guy's going to come from over there, and the Giants just had no idea. And that was great. And I, I think that that's exactly what you want to see if you're a Patriot fan from this defense this year, is spin the dial again confuse them, run those different types of schemes, run those different types of pressure looks, be multiple in the front seven. That's when Bill Belichick is back at his best. And I think he's got the tools. He's got the players. He's got everybody in in line to be able to do that again this year. Yeah, no, I I think this defense is going to be in in much better shape this year. I I think kind of what you mentioned, the experience, right? Donta Hightower is such a big part of that. And I just think having yeah. him back alone, and, and then you add in some of these other guys. Also, Matt Judon's a beast, so that's fun. And that'll help. Let's go back over to the offense just to wrap this up. We yeah, got two, two more guys I want to talk about on offense. Uh, okay, all right. I, w- hopefully, hopefully this is one of them. We got to give some props and some respect, again, on the show to Jacoby Myers. Yes, who- that was one. Is just, he's by far the Patriots best receiver. I got a lot of flack from you guys in the media tent today for saying that Nelson Aguilar was in the conversation. I'll say Jacoby Myers is the best receiver on the Patriots. It's most of the time, not particularly close. I think Aguilar brings another level of speed and a different dynamic, certainly than a guy like Myers, but he was out there again today. Myers caught four passes in 11 on 11s for Mac. Obviously the deep ball that has been the most impressive trait. I would say from Jacoby this summer is he's been getting behind the defense more and being able to go and make strong catches at the catch point more consistently. He has got better hands and better contested catch ability than you expect. And you see all of those things. And this player is just really rounding out into a complete receiver, Jacoby Myers. 
the clear cut best receiver on the team. He's the straw that stirs the drink. Oh, hang on. They updated the Sony Michelle trade. They updated. Yeah, it's a little different now. Oh. So it's Sony Michelle for a 2022 sixth and a 2023 fourth. Interesting. So the so trade is that whole thing about moving up the comp pick, but it's still not bad. So I'm the not return's not terrible, it. but at least they got something. Now, let, let's let's give the give your Jacoby Myers take. Yeah, no, I thought you. Sorry, I just I wanted to throw that out there. Um, I, Jacoby was really good today. He continues to grow. It's been incredible. He's just rounding out as a wide receiver. And yeah, I think you know if there's a hundred catch guy on this team, it's going to be him. I don't know if that's an incredibly hot take or not, but. He's and him and Mac specifically, there seems to be something there. Uh, a Mac and Myers, I guess is what we'll call it, but he's they, they've been good together. Sounds like a law is, firm, it, it does no, but they've been good. And and I thought, you know, we knew Myers like coming in, Myers was kind of a shifty receiver that was always his, his go to, but we're seeing now he can win in other ways. Again, that catch in the back of the end zone, he wasn't making that catch last year. That is the catch, yeah. you know that is a true wide receiver catch. Again, he's only been a wide receiver for about five years. So he's starting to, you know, really become a well-rounded wide receiver, which is interesting. It's, I didn't expect him to have the jump ball skills that he's shown this year and the contested catch skills down the field that he's shown this summer so far. He's always had strong hands coming over the middle and fighting through contact over the middle, but not necessarily on a, on a vertical route, right? Where he's he's looking uh, you, you would expect that out of Nikhil Harry, right? To be able to go down the field like that and catch a ball in between two guys. Sounds like a play that maybe a six foot three wide receiver like Nikhil Harry could make. Myers has been able to do that in camp consistently. It's been very, very impressive. Who's the other offensive player you wanted to mention? Yanni Kajuse. Yanni. Another good day. Yeah. Perhaps getting, the best day so far. Getting reps at left tackle, Isaiah Wynn. Left practice early. It was not Justin Haran who stepped in at left tackle, as I would say Haran has mostly been the top backup to Isaiah Wynn or Trent Brown when one of those guys needs a blow or something like that. It's been a lot of Haran. Today, Isaiah Wynn leaves practice early. We don't know yet why he left practice early. In comes Yadni Kajust. So the Patriots obviously like what they've seen from Yadni Kajus so far. We've liked what we've seen from Yadni Kajus so far. I wrote it today. It feels like Yadni Kajus is on the team, right? Oh, yeah. At this point, it would be a surprise to me if he doesn't make the 53-man roster. I, I, I would say so, too. Again, we've talked about there's seven set offensive linemen. They're going to want to keep eight or nine. He was the backup left tackle today. Backup, yeah. backup left tackle is making the team. And right. Justin Heron, he didn't have a great day, so – no, Yanni Kajus is, is to the moon right now. I agree. How about your boy Gunner? You 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 liking what you're seeing out of Gunner? Because not such a good day yesterday. Two, he targeted twice on interceptions. Today he made some good plays, especially late in practice. Yeah, you know, it's, it's helpful. They're going to need him to play some wide receiver early, assuming Nikhil Harry can't play week one, and that seems to be the uh, understanding right now, at least openly the understanding right now. So right. If that's the case, are they going to keep another receiver in the interim? I don't know if they have room to do that. Maybe it's Christian Wilkerson. He still really hasn't had that that cap day he needs, I think, to make the team. But uh, if they're not going to keep an extra wide receiver, then you're looking at Gunner as that fourth guy, at least for the first handful of weeks, however long Nikhil Harry's out. So it's been better. 
It's been better. He had, you know, it's two to one right now. I thought he had a really good day Monday. Yesterday took a step back. I thought today was much better. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to figure out what they want to do with that, that other receiver spot. More separation at the top of the route from Gunner than what we've seen in the past couple of years, his first couple of years in, in the NFL. Certainly those abilities to make, run those little option routes on the inside. I put a play up yesterday of Mac Jones from the Eagles. Once I finally watched the coaches tape of Gunner running the option series, right? Get, getting number three inside against the inside backer and him just running a leverage wrap. He was able to run across the a defender today and score a touchdown from Mac in a low red zone situation again. So you're seeing more separation skills at the top of the route from Gunner, that inside ability as a slot receiver to win at the top of the route with quickness and just go off leverage. And Mac is very good at those types of throws. So a little bit of a push here from Gunner, I would say as a wide receiver, definitely not going to be an outside guy, not, not going to be somebody that's going to be a one for one swap for Nikhil Harry, but he can do some of the things that they like their inside guys to do, right? He's he's got he's getting closer to Edelman Amendola ish, right? He's not gonna be right. those types of guys, I don't think. I don't think he's gonna get all the way there, but we're taking a baby step closer towards him actually being that type of player. Yeah, I and again, I don't know that they need him to go out there and play fifty percent of their offensive snaps. It's like ten to fifteen percent. You're gonna throw him the ball maybe three to four times a game, and that's without Nikhil Harry. And, you know, if he can get you over the first four games, 10, 15 catches, I think that's really all you need for him. And, yeah, it's kind of trending more in that way where where it seems like he could fit in that role because, again, he just you're not cutting him. He's going to make the team right. as a punt returner. But if he can give you a little something on offense, especially while Nikhil Harry's out, saves your roster spot elsewhere. You know, that's an extra offensive lineman. Maybe that's, you know, somebody in addition to Yadni Kajus. Maybe it's somebody extra on the defensive line, what, it, what have you, so. The last thing I wanted to mention uh, from practice today, I I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's definitely not a bad thing. I don't know how much to make of it is a better way to put it. But Jawan Williams is targeted very little in these practices. They don't throw at him a ton. And you have J.C. Jackson on the other side, so you would expect them to throw at him more. And Jawan... We don't have the tape, like I said, so I can't go back and watch and see is Juwan getting beat and the quarterback just isn't finding the receiver or maybe he's covering the guy that's the second or the third read in the progression and the quarterback is throwing to the first read all the time. All these different factors at play here with this. But you don't see Juwan Williams out there getting exposed, Alex. You you don't see yourself calling his name all the time and saying, oh, there's Juwan Williams burned again, right? And, And that has to be, that has to count for something. Yeah, I, we've talked about this before. Cornerbacks and offensive linemen. Sometimes when you don't hear their names, right? That's a good thing. Just because right. they're taking care of business and, they, and they're out of focus. And I, I think that's been the case with Juwan Williams. Stephon Gilmore is still the great unknown. And I, I don't know that Williams has played well enough where, okay, he's going to line up opposite J.C. Jackson come week one if Gilmore can't go. But right. yeah, I, I, I think he's comfortably played himself into that third role, that Jason McCourty role. I don't know that he's going to play it as well as Jason McCourty, but I I don't know that it's impossible for him to start the season there. Me neither. It's going to be a fun day tomorrow out at Patriots training camp. Day two of joint practices. Just got word that Mac Jones is going to speak after practice. Doesn't sound like Cam Newton is going to speak, which probably isn't much of a surprise, but Mac Jones is going to talk. 
it alluded to Cam is going to practice. He's just not going to speak with the media about the situation that just transpired. But what are you looking for? And you can talk about the quarterbacks here too, because why not? It's the number one topic. But what are you looking for tomorrow, Alex? Because to me, again, it's like what I said earlier after the end of the discussion about Mac, can he keep stacking it together, right? Can he have another good day tomorrow against the Giants? Yeah, I, I don't see why he can't, right? Well, I mean, according to you, their defense has no clue what they're doing and never will. Uh, um, but wow. no, I, I think he can. I think almost more important than Jones' performance, assuming, I, I don't know that he needs to have the same high-level performance, but again, assuming he's still at a high level, uh, I think how they split the reps is as important as the reps themselves. You know, right. I think, right, if, if Matt comes out and takes all the reps again with Cam there, He's the starting quarterback, right? That's, you know, even if he takes the first reps, he's the starting quarterback. So let's see, you know, there's that report from Mike Giardi that the Patriots were internally frustrated with Newton's situation. And he didn't say exactly what that meant, but let's, let's just see how much this set came back. There was, there was no way to know until he returned to practice truly how much this sets him back. Assuming he comes back tomorrow, like you said, it sounds like that's the plan. Uh, we'll, we'll really find out. And the other thing is, you know, if he comes out and he takes all the reps tomorrow, then we know there's no shot. Mac Jones is starting. Week. Right. We know there's no shot because if Mac Jones is that performance and that can't get him over the top, especially if Cam Newton's so, so tomorrow, then, then Cam's the guy week one. And then we know that. And, and that's just the reality. And I do think they're going to name the starter soon. I don't think before the giants game, uh, but you know, roster cuts are on Tuesday. I'm, I would guess Wednesday or Thursday. I think it's going to be relatively soon because most of these teams are starting to name name their uh, starting quarterbacks. Yeah, pour one out for your boy Drew Locke, Alex. Hey, he'll be back. He'll be. <laughs> Nobody has undeniable loyalty to anybody like Alex has loyalty to Drew Locke. A few quick questions here in the chat. I just wanted to hit on for the people out there. Stephon Gilmore's name coming up a bunch. We've talked a lot about Gilmore's situation. This is a hold in. This is what a holdout looks like in the NFL nowadays because there are so, uh, the league has made it difficult to hold out completely because of the fines that they put on these players for not reporting to the team. So as much as Stefan Gilmore is rehabbing an injury, if he gets paid what he wants to get paid, that injury can disappear very quickly. Right. I, and again, I, I said that was it uh, Monday or Tuesday that Bill spoke about it and said that he was day to day, and it was it was the most informed answer we've gotten on Gilmore since right. the spring, and that that to me is encouraging. I think if if things hadn't changed, Bill's answer wouldn't change. Yet it was a different answer on Gilmore than we've previously gotten. So I don't know what that means, it, it, like exactly. I don't know if that means he'll be back for week one. I don't know if that means he'll be back tomorrow. Whatever, but. I can't help but look at that as some sort of positive sign in some direction. I don't know how positive, but feels like we're getting closer. So I can't say that Christian Barmore stood out to me specifically in 11 on 11 drills, but he was absolutely handing it to the Giants interior offensive linemen in uh, one on ones and two on twos today early in practice. He whooped uh, one of the Giants offensive linemen. I wasn't able to see the number just through all the different bodies and everything that was standing over there, but he whooped somebody on an inside counter move, went right around him and through to where the quarterback would have been standing. So Barmore as a pass rusher looks legit, like everything well, that they drafted him for. So I, I want to tag this on to what I'm looking for tomorrow too, because this reminded me of something with, you know, Barmore didn't really stand out. I, 
I we didn't see it. It felt like we didn't see a ton of the Patriots defense today. And maybe that's right. just because Mac Jones was playing so well. I couldn't find any numbers on the Giants quarterbacks. I guess their media doesn't keep that, but it really felt like the Patriots offense was on the field more today, like significantly more. So I wonder, was the agreement between Bill and Joe Judge, all right, we're gonna be offensive heavy on Wednesday and they're gonna run through the same practice, but you're gonna be offensive heavy on Thursday. And if that's the case, I go back to the numbers with the quarterbacks, that's that's less time for Cam Newton because the offense isn't going to be on the field as much. So that, you know, I I, I wonder what that's going to look like as well. I would really appreciate that because it makes it easier for us to evaluate practice when we don't have to be looking everywhere all the time. Well, to look, as long out as it's just on. one, if, if they want to do another Patriots offensive heavy day, I'll take that too. But as long as it's sure. just one at a time. Right. For people that haven't been to these joint practices, there are periods, especially early on in practice, where the offense and defense of their respective teams are working on one field and the offense and defense of their respective teams are working on another simultaneously. So that makes it very difficult as just one person with two eyes to watch everything. So if the Patriots and Giants want to stagger it each day, and I do think there's an element that is difficult even for the coaching staff to a degree – to, to see everything, right? But they have the right. luxury of watching the tape back. So that's the difference. So we're going to be back out there on Thursday. Alex and I are going to do the show tomorrow night to discuss what we saw on day two of joint practices. As I just mentioned, Mac Jones and Brian Hoyer are scheduled to speak after practice. Cam Newton is not supposed to speak after practice, although he's expected to be at practice. So we're going to break down what we see, the reps, the discrepancies. Does Mac move the needle at all after a strong day today? Again, another good day for Jones against the Giants on day one. And Alex and I will be back on the show tomorrow night to break down day two. So thanks so much for watching. For Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody.